So let's pray as we get started this morning. Lord, just wash our hearts, purify our minds, allow us to come closer to you. That the word that we just read, we are assured that your grace is sufficient. We know that you have poured out your lives for our own. That no matter what baggage we come with, anxieties or worries that we come to, we know that you are faithful. That you have promised to be there for us. And so let the words of my mouth, the words that are heard, allow them to be glorifying to you and to be purifying of our hearts. And so I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. So if you've been with us for a little while, you've probably remember that we just finished off a ser- our sermon series on the Sabbath and finding the margin and space in our lives. And so it's kind of forlaying into a new series, as you may have seen these signs. I've been gone for a week for vacation, so all this stuff and the TVs is throwing me off a little bit. But I'm going to guess that you can see that it's life is, and that the verse that we're working from is John 10.10. And so I'll read that for us real quick. John 10.10, if you don't remember it or haven't read it before, it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. So there are many things that we could think about when it comes to this passage, but the main thing to think about how Jesus is more, that he is life abundant. And so no matter what we're coming to or coming with, whatever we look at, however we shape our lives, to know that no matter what it is, that God is faithful. And if we find Christ and follow Christ, he is faithful. And so as we get into our passage this morning, as we start to look on, we're going to start with a very, it's a big topic, anxiety and worry. And so I'm not going to solve it this morning because there's no way to solve it. I know that you're thinking in your head that it's going to be another kind of just follow Jesus, have more faith, and that's going to be it. But that's not what it's about. Because it's about following Jesus in your own heart, making that individual decision, and the words of my mouth have to be personalized and processed in what you have as a relationship with Christ. And so as we get started this morning, there are two questions I'd like us to keep in mind. And one of them is, can you attest that worry and anxiety has ever stolen your joy? Has worry and anxiety claimed your identity and drained your will? So those two questions to keep in mind as we open up our passage, it's going to be out of Matthew 6, 24 through 34, 25 through 34, sorry. But before we get started on that, as I got looking through this sermon and preparing all this and thinking about worry and anxiety, unfortunately, a good example came to mind. So if you remembered a couple weeks ago, we had VBS, and if you're not hip and know the lingo, that's Vacation Bible School, and so we deck it out in safari and have a Jeep out there and everything, and so those things had to be built and prepared, and so one of the work days that we were working on it Um, They sent me, which if you know me is kind of a joke because I don't really have the handyman skill. So they sent me to Menards, and I thought, great, I get to take my daughter, my little two-year-old daughter, who's really more so you chase as opposed to walks with you. So I brought our stroller. And so our stroller was a little big, and it's a little wide. And so if you've been to Menards, you know that there's a turnstile, right? 
It's not like every other department store where you could just walk in and it's fine. There's a turnstile for, I don't, I mean, it's probably to check attendance and all that kind of good stuff, but there's one turnstile, and if you've been there on a Saturday morning, it's like a Walmart, and it's just a flood of people, and there's no real way to get in, and so it's kind of embarrassing to talk about, but, you know, hindsight, there's a gate right next to the turnstile. <laughs> you get it. You know what I'm going with this. So, fortunately, my daughter is okay, but we happened to think, well, well, I thought, Hadley would just ram, but um, regardless, I was thinking, well, I want to be cool dad, I want to go through the turnstile with this gigantic stroller, and yeah, everyone's laughing because they know it's going to get stuck, and so it did get stuck, and I was not hip cool dad, I was just going to smoothly get the stroller through and so my anxiety starts going, and I start worrying because, you know, there's one turnstile for this flood of people. You think it's like Noah's Ark, and all the animals are coming, and it's just everything. So there's probably like thousands of people waiting for me to get through this turnstile, and they're just looking at me and staring at me, and Hadley's laughing because she thinks it's a game, and I'm just, like, petrified. <laughs> and I'm a hardcore introvert, and so everyone's staring, and I'm thinking, like, okay, I'm going to play this cool. I'm just going to pull it out slowly. Nope. And, it, like, the bar gets stuck in, the, like, the whatever it's called that you hold on to, and the bar gets stuck, and I can't pull it out. And I forget about Hadley at this point. I'm just trying to rip it out as hard as possible because, yeah, there's not enough room for anyone to go. And so I got it out, finally, and then I'm starting to worry that now everyone's going to watch me because I have to pull up my list of what I need and so everyone, as they walk by, is going to stare at me and wonder what this idiot is doing. And so the only, only thing I had was I hoped that no one I knew was there. And I'm recently to Sea Rapids about a year or so, so I'm thinking, okay, I'm pretty safe. I, I mean, I know you guys, but other than that, I think I'm okay. And, uh, but, so another co-director of our VBS was Melissa Oberon who also sent her husband, who is very capable, to go to Menards to pick up stuff for VBS. So I just hear over my shoulder, hey, Kyle. Oh, gosh. So someone now knows what I just did. And you know that painful smile where they're like, I'm not going to like tell you what you just did. You know what you did, so we won't bring it up. And in my mind, I'm thinking, he didn't say this, but in my mind, it's like, they sent you? Like, they could have sent the baby, and it would have been better. So that is one of the biggest worries, because I thought I was going to be cool hip dad with my daughter, having this joyful moment, and then all of a sudden, anxiety kicks in, do something stupid, get worried, and then I bet every single person doesn't even remember that, and even if they did, they have a great story to tell. So I can, I can be okay with that, because there's plenty of good stories that need to be told. And so as we get into our passage this morning, if you would like to flip to Matthew 6 at this point. And if you don't have a Bible, there's ones in front of the chairs, or there are some in the welcome desk if you don't have one and want to take one home. So I'll read it for us. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What will you put on? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so this is just reemphasizing a true point. Even in our first century world, it comes together in a 21st century world. I think we can still look at the context of the passage and wonder, what will we eat today? There's plenty of diets, especially coming on staff at first. One of our staff learnings was about the Cato diet, and obviously have not participated in the Cato diet. And then thinking about what we wear and how it shapes us. And so one thing to think about is how much of this stuff becomes worries and anxieties that push out God. How much of our simple things that God takes care of that we just worry about and worry about and forget to process, and then we start to fail to look at the kingdom in its larger picture. And so it got me thinking, is there other things that we can think about, something that can illustrate this? And so for any of you music fans, there is a composer named John Cage. And so his big idea, and it was very profound at the time, is that it had never been done before. And so it's a little kooky, but he prepared a piece that had no music. And so he purposefully also played this no music piece in an outdoor amphitheater because he genuinely believed that the people around him have failed to stop and listen to the noises of nature, that they failed to realize that the sounds, even babies crying, was still music. And so all that were in attendance that day were able to hear all the nature around them, but they were so caught up in why they weren't enjoying a piece that they probably missed the point. So are we thinking about things so deeply that we miss the point? The point came to him when he went into a sound deprivation chamber at Harvard University. It's built so that the sound does not bounce off the walls, but is absorbed. And so he thought, in his mind, he wouldn't be hearing anything. But he started to begin to hear one tone and two tones, a high and a low, And when he sought out the sound engineer afterwards to figure out what was going on, he started to realize, as he was explaining it, he was hearing his nervous system and his blood circulating, noises that we don't often hear. So this blew him away to think about, is the noise all around us, the noise that we make, keep us from hearing the noise that that naturally occur? So it's kind of a different take on the stop and smell the roses. And so my contention is, When we hear this passage, we may feel like our concerns, the daily things, start to overwhelm just the general state of being and and sitting in silence. And so with all that going on and all that being thought about, especially in the first century after the disciples started to follow Jesus, possibly some of them have lost hope, they feel marginalized and oppressed, and their current cultural status is on the fringe 
And they've come to follow Christ, even knowing that it could mean their lives. And so as we can imagine, but we tend to forget, even the access of food in that time period is fairly limited. Even with barns and whatnot, it was still depended on the crop and what God would do and how he would bless that. And so this kind of, if you can imagine, if you've ever watched an HGTV uh, international house hunters or whatnot. Have you ever seen the fridges on the show? That's a big, important question. That's why I look for every time. How big the fridge is is also how much food they eat. And if you think about it, in a sense, that's our barns. That's our storage, unless you have a farm and you actually literally have a barn. And I'm preaching in Iowa, so it's possible. But their, fr- their fridge is thinking about how to size. And so in other countries, they're tiny. There's they're not even ones that you put in a dorm room. And so they are dependent on the food of that day, of the market, whatever is going on. And so this isn't uncommon to us in our 21st century, but it's a little uncommon as an American who have multiple large-sized fridges in our homes. There's not as much to depend on God. There's so much that we depend on ourselves And so that's why I wanted to pull out the passage of thinking about it, because sometimes we forget when we read this passage, perhaps you don't, but I do, how fragile life is and how fragile food source or anything of source is fragile. So if God says, so he clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you a little faith? Now, that's not just specifically talking about the flowers and the grass of the field. That's also a metaphor for our lives and the vapor that we have in this world. And just the power that we believe we have is fading to the power that we actually have. And if you want to consider even just some people that look like they have it all together, they have everything, that would be Solomon in our passage. He was richer, cooler, and more respected than we will ever be. Yet he is more... He is not more wonderful than the lilies of the field that bring glory to God. And so trust me when I say that when we talk about anxieties and we talk about worries, I know my own, but I also worry about yours. And all I can do is pray and serve you to the best of my abilities and bring the word because I know that Jesus is the only one that can take it away because it takes a faith that knows Jesus. And let's be clear, because we want to be very clear on this, that I'm not saying that our anxieties and our worries and our doubts and any kind of depression or anything like that makes you any less of a Christian. It doesn't make you any less of a follower of Christ, because the reality is we have all these struggles, that every one of us have a struggle whether we want to identify them or not. And so the beauty of the gospel is that he wants it all. That he wants us, no matter what we look like, what we feel like, he wants it all. He wants us to depend on him because we are no more than lilies in a field. But he is greater. Because it's clear and made a promise that your heavenly father knows that all that you will need. And consider this as well. In the garden, when Jesus is praying for another way to have the wrath of God taken from him, for the sins of the past, present, future, all that we put into. You know who can't hang with him as he's praying? The disciples. 
As hard as they tried to stay and pray and find God with Jesus, they couldn't hang. Because Luke twenty-two forty-five tells us this. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. While obviously I do not know what you're struggling with this morning, what baggage you're having, Jesus does. And maybe you can kind of feel the pain that's overflowing in the disciples that aren't able to hang with Jesus. They're depending on him because without him, they have nothing. And they've passed out to the agony. And so maybe it gets us thinking that it's those nights when we have the knockout fights with our spouses that we're really wondering if things are going to get better. Or perhaps the grieving that knocks us out is the loss of a loved one, a wound so gaping that we can't heal it. Or maybe another way to think about it, we have an image to maintain. You're starting to feel that little nagging voice in the back of your head that makes you feel like every little detail is important about every little thing, that you control everything. But you don't. I don't. And that makes us afraid to be real with anyone, even ourselves. And if we're honest, we realize that the human experience is riddled with pain and sorrow. And God is not unaware of this. And this is what he is after. He's after our hearts, not our diets and our closets. He wants you, even with your pain and anxiety, to realize that life is more. Jesus offers us a life that is more. And he is more. Because the water that we poured out earlier is a reminder that we've been cleansed. We've been clean. That we don't have to act anymore. That he gives us the ability to have faith in him because he's done what he's promised. His blood has been poured out for us. And by his blood, you are clean. And if you know the late Mr. Rogers, or Fred Rogers, he had a brilliant way of communicating deeply with the simplest of phrases. One of which stood out and says, Sometimes we got to ask for help. And that's okay. So how often do we feel like asking for help? How often do we have to rely on God in our daily lives, knowing that we're going to go home to a fridge full of food, we have our homes, we have our jobs, we have our families, for the most part. And obviously that's not the same case for everyone. But there are some things that we've been blessed with that sometimes we do take for granted if we look in our own hearts. Because sometimes it's really difficult to rely on something that maybe you don't feel like you can see. But God is active and working. And this passage reminds us that we can't do it alone. Everything, Jesus being poured out, the anxiety, the Jesus, or the disciples not being able to hang with him. It reminds us that we need him and we need each other. Otherwise, we're living in an illusion that we can control what we cannot control. And so what do we do? How should we respond to this good news? And so first of all, if you haven't received Christ, that's paramount. And if you feel that God is tugging on your heart and that he's working and doing great things in your heart, but you're still not sure, myself or others would love to talk with you about that and come alongside you. And that's why we need each other to support And if you're a believer, either mature or non-mature, have you lost track of the priorities that you once felt when you received Christ? 
knowing the great splendor of him. In the lives of our family, what kingdom do we serve? Will we see the kingdom, seek the kingdom of the Lord, or do we seek the kingdom of our own, the kingdom of anxiety, the kingdom of public opinion? Because it's so much better when we follow Christ. Because life is more when we serve the kingdom, be generous, be cheerful, when we seek justice, seek the well-being of our community. Life is more than we could ever imagine. So take time to listen to the music of the Lord. And most importantly, as John wanted everyone to be our composer friend, he wanted them to be present. Be present. For as long as the Lord gives you on this earth, may we never forget the music that surrounds us. Just the joy of being able to speak to one another, be able to laugh with one another, and to enjoy one another, and to be able to rid ourselves of needing to be putting on an act. Because if we bring glory to the Creator the world will look a lot brighter. And so will our lives look like that? Let us pray. Lord, we know that there are things that we do that we do not want to do, that don't bring glory to your name. As we go out these doors this morning, allow us to be reminded of your glory, your splendor, how much more life is in your covenant, in your grace. Allow those that have not received you to be able to come running to you, into your arms. Allow those that have already claimed you as their Lord and Savior to be reminded and prioritize you as our King. Allow our hearts to be filled up in you, that no matter what anxiety, no matter what we're going through, we always lay it at your cross because we know that you make life and you grow our hearts to be enough. And so, Lord, just as we finish up our time, allow our hearts to continue to be filled in worship as we give our hearts back to you. And so we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.